Shandy Chernow, and you're listening to the Shandyland Podcast. Today, as you know, we've got both food allergy and business stuff going on on this podcast, and today we're going to cross the both of them together. I've got a great guest for you and musical to boot, food allergy rock star, CEO and founder of Equal Eats, and music and allergy educator, Kyle Dine. Thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure, Shandy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm going to make everybody stick it out to hear you sing, though, because we'll do that a little bit later, and I know everybody's into it. Yeah, tease that for the end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to hear it, because that will be a first for us, uh, and I'm sure that it's amazing. So t- you have such like a huge, amazing passion for helping other people avoid being, you know, having reactions and, and getting into trouble as they're traveling and eating out. Tell me the story. Start from the beginning. How did that happen? Well, I was the guy that got into trouble and um, and realized I wish I had more information and someone that was, um, yeah, providing that education to me a little bit earlier in my life. So I'm allergic to peanuts, tree nuts, egg, fish, shellfish, and mustard. Had them since I was an infant. I was an 80s baby. Um, times were different. I was a teenager that was pretty cavalier. I didn't really um, take my allergies as seriously as I should have. Took a lot of risks and had a lot of reactions. And it was a time where it was, you know, kind of the gold standard was just take an antihistamine, walk it off and good luck to you. And um, that was literally the advice that I was given for, for quite a while and never had an anaphylactic reaction until I was about 21 years old. And, and that was the moment where I realized I was doing everything wrong. The advice that was given to me was wrong. The daily habits of, um, you know, make contain labels and all of this stuff was wrong. So um, I, I needed that wake up call. And, uh, and that's what really put me in my life on a different trajectory of trying to help other people. Yeah, I feel like we're kind of still in that place. I mean, obviously, now the standard of care is ep- epinephrine and all, but still, there's this kind of what do you do? What's the plan? And every allergist kind of spills different tea, if you will, and you know gives different advice. How how do you envision that shifting? Trying to get to more of an actual standard of care, and not everybody has their own safety plan, and they're all different, and nobody knows. And I mean, we, the labeling thing alone could be an entirely other podcast. But yeah, it's true. Well, I think it's it's consensus, you know, and it's even you know, food allergy, anaphylaxis is the same condition on both sides of borders. Yet you have different action plans for one country to the next country, and with the internet and blogs and parents sharing information widely, it's really hard to know what's the right information for you in your area, because maybe it's different, or the organization that you follow compared to your friend and who they follow, there is a real inconsistency. So well, the, the, the friend thing, right? I bite my tongue all the time on social media and these groups. People share such blatantly misinformation, but you don't want to be the one to correct it without a medical degree, right? Or how do you, I mean, how do we get better at this? Please fix the whole food allergy problem for us right now. Can you do that? (laughs) Exactly, right? Yeah, just do a deep dive into that. Uh, Well, it's tough because, you know, I think a lot of it's just, it's your experiences. It's how you've been raised. It's who you are. It's it's hard to learn new tricks. It's hard to change your ways. 
And I do think there's some um, the, there's power with the, the new generation, if you will, of all of these kids that are growing up with food allergy. You know, if they're getting the right message. They're like, for me, I educated my parents on what precautionary labeling really means, what the real risk of a may contain versus made in the facility, because we just kind of went with it for a long time. Well, yeah, but I mean, even those labels are totally unregulated and mean yeah. nothing. Exactly. So I had to dig what? that up. And, and that, you know, for, for the generation now that's been told a lot of things to how to advocate for themselves. And at the end of the day, it's up to them to find their voice, to find the right information. And hopefully they find those right sources and it gets better over time. So you mentioned that you had kind of a big issue at 21, your first anaphylactic reaction. I'm guessing that that's kind of a major thing that shifted your thinking. Walk me through that. Let, I think a lot of people don't really understand what happens when one has an anaphylactic reaction. Do you mind reliving that for me? Yeah, I'll relive it and I'll give you a little, you know, I gave you the, um, the preface with, with who I was at the time, just risk taking and, and then I'll normal kind of post adolescent boy, I would think something like that did not want to be known for allergies. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but also not only just the reaction, but what happened post, because I think that's really important to understand too, is the, um, the, you know, the psychosocial impact. So it was, it was Christmas day, 2005. And, um, you know, I'm, you get to that point where you're 21 years old and you're, you're taking over your own health responsibility. It's you're, you're out of your parents' care, essentially. And for me, it was still kind of getting the grips of carrying my, my epinephrine with me at all times, always having it with me. Sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. And I went to the kitchen to, to grab a little pre-Christmas dinner snack from my grandma. I asked her, oh, wow, look at these brownies. Can I have one? And she was busy and forgetful. And she said, sure, yep, I made them for you. And, uh, you know, I, I never eat brownies. They always have something I'm allergic to. I had no business with that. So I should have known yeah. better. And I ate uh, literally just a bite. And right away... It was a reaction that I've never felt before. And I knew because of so many of these minor reactions before, what, what a reaction for me looked like for most allergens. But for this one, it, instead of just some swelling around my, my lips, it just went right to my throat right away within about 10 seconds. Wow. And, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't brush it off. This wasn't something like, oh, let me just go, you know, um, you know, th there was nothing in my head other than this is this is terrible, and it just progressed so quickly. And my mom was, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" And found out that in the uh, the brownies that it was cashew. And this is Christmas, so my whole family's there, and everyone at the same time realizes I'm having this reaction, and I'm starting to lose consciousness at this point, where it's probably within under a minute still, but it just progressed that quick to to. Um, really, really difficult to breathe. I think for me, the, what I remember most about it during the reaction was the just the like, the drop in blood pressure. Like for me, just feeling completely out of it, feeling faint. And you probably relate to that. And I almost think of it like I was watching myself, like I was on a television set, like I'm watching this scene unfold, and I'm not present. It was just surreal. There's nothing that you can do about it, right? I mean, I, I find that same feeling. I'm incapable of fixing this. And you yeah. just 
are a bystander in your own reaction. Exactly. And people say, you know, you like carry your, your auto injector, you'll be fine. You know how to use it. In the moment, you are thinking in, in panic mode and you're, you're, you're not yourself. Even to tell someone that you're having a reaction is incredibly difficult because you're all of a sudden pressing that giant red panic button. You know, you're having a nice night out. You're having a nice Christmas day. No, I'm pressing the button. And, well, and, and for me, at least, I mean, I've never had the, the throat closing, but when my blood pressure drops, the first thing that happens uh, is that I lose speech. Yeah. I can't tell you if I wanted to. Yeah. And I want to. Yeah. And it, it just happens so quickly. And it's part of that time's coming to grips with, could this be it? You know, there's some denial that happens. So it's really important the people that are with you, that know you, they're aware of your allergies. They're aware you might get weird. They're aware of all of these things that could happen. And that's what I tell people now. If I get weird at the dinner table, like check in on me. Some, you know me. Um, so anyways, there, the one thing that could help me was uh, I carried an EpiPen. And unfortunately, it was not with me. And this is Christmas Day, and it's in Canada. And it was in the glove compartment of our car in December. Probably one of the worst places you could keep one where there, you have to keep it in a you know room temperature. So already we're, we're looking for this device. We find it in the car, well, my dad did, and it's like freezing cold and uh, we use it and thank goodness it works. And then well, we look- How much time had clicked by by the time that, you know, by the time it was injected? Maybe three or four minutes. Like it really wasn't much, but it was enough where I was But really that's an eternity, I mean. Exactly. And it was just that scramble. Everyone like, where is it? Where is it? Check here, check there you know, all the, all that panic and pandemonium. And then we looked at it afterwards. And this, this is probably the most embarrassing fact of the whole story for me. And it's, it's a learning point for a lot. That EpiPen was three years expired. So it was in the wrong spot and it was just old. And I look back and I am so freaking lucky to be alive after that reaction. And I went to the, you know, 911 was called, went to the hospital, ER, the whole works. And I remember after all the treatment, the IVs, the everything, the doctor coming in and scolding me, like really scolding me as, as, as I deserved. And he's like, we all were here for you. We helped bring you back, but this shouldn't have happened. And for me, that leads to the post, the recollection, the you know, week of silence with myself and re reevaluating how, how I led my life, how I treated my allergies. And, um, and I didn't know what to do with those emotions. And, you know, for me, it really just came out as I want to help other people because I know guys like me that haven't want nothing to deal with their allergies and they need to know about this. They need to know what they can do to, to prevent this because this was so avoidable and it was stupid of me. Well, I mean, I'm going to take a little bit of issue with your most embarrassing part. The I was told by a, a world-renowned allergist, face-to-face, that they're not, even if their expiration date is passed, until the, the medicine inside is discolored, Yeah. don't throw that bad boy away. It's still good. Absolutely. Yeah, unless it's murky inside. Um, right. But, you know, for me, it's just, I, I look back on it now, it's just, I can't believe that because I'm so vigilant. Like, it's my it's in my planner every year, the expiry day. You're like, all right, 
get it before then. But I mean, the I'm only reason the expir expiration dates are what they are is because that's how long they tested it in the FDA trials. Yeah. If they had tested it longer, the expiration dates would be further out, right? But they want to get it to market, so they didn't. So they're not. Hey, between between you and I and all of your listeners, <laughs> I've never gotten rid of one. I actually have yeah. like a display case with all of my past EpiPens, Twinjex, Allergex, AviQs because I had yeah. them around the house, right? So they're in every bathroom. Yeah. And they're yeah. in each purse. They're like, I have one in my mom's house. Like they're just kind of everywhere. And that way, at least, even if it's an old one, to your point, right? I mean, an old one saved your life. It's much better than it having did. only one or only That's two. It. I'd much rather yeah. have one that somebody can find. That's it. No, it's it's better than nothing, and it works. Um, I don't keep them all now just as backup. I've got plenty of in-date ones, but I do keep them almost like a trophy. I didn't yeah. use my EpiPen this year, and I'm proud of that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, don't, like in my go bag, so I have my car key, my two EpiPens, my inhaler, and some Benadryl, right? All the time. The car key's in there yeah. so that I never forget to take the EpiPens with me. There's mm -hmm. always a non-expired one and then one of the old ones as yeah. my backpack. And I keep it's hey. like this little flat bag, and the good one is on top. But the dude, if I need that second one, shoot me up with the expired one, please. You do what you gotta <laughs> do. They they are not uh, growing on trees, that's for sure. So whatever yeah. plan works for you, be covered. But the other thing that that I want to dig dig back up from your story is um, you get weird. So the way that I describe it is, if I seem like I'm drunk and I haven't drank enough to be drunk, I'm having a reaction. That's a good one. Because it makes me, it's slurred speech and slow, and I can't do the things that I want to do, right? So yeah. if you didn't feed me 12 whiskey shots, but that's how I'm behaving, something ain't right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. always interesting. to, but, but nobody thinks, oh gosh, that's an allergic reaction. They're looking for throat closed or something super swollen or something like that. People something don't realize. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's so true, though. So all of this led you to create Equal Eats. What yeah. does Equal Eats do? Talk to me. Sure. So yeah, I, I, um, I like a lot of different things. One of my hobbies is traveling. And, um, and, and from a young age, in my, well, right around that time, actually, I, I went on exchange to Sweden um, to, to study for half a year there and had a great time and realized how underprepared I was allergy-wise to, to, to deal with Swedish. And I also realized what, what a homebody I actually am because I've always been at home. Um, and I always when I went there, you know, I felt comfort not dining out, but finding, you know, Tony the Tiger in the grocery store and just eating cereal for the first week and then expanding my, my bubble of comfort. But as time went on, and I wanted to explore more, you know, dining and food is, is a big part of culture. And uh, I started doing backpacking trips across Europe and all that. And I did experience a reaction and one that was completely due to a language barrier that I got the old, yes, 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 that's safe treatment when I don't think they knew anything that I said. And it made me realize the importance of just putting my allergies, A, in writing and B, in their language. So there was, some, there was a solution out there at the time but I wanted to create something that was digital because I was a bit of a last minute traveler. So I wanted something that if I'm booking a trip tomorrow or tonight, I want a card that I can get right away. So it was digital. So we started off, the company was called Allergy Translation, pretty black and white. That's what it did. And it was, uh, we have an app, there's a website. And it was within the last two years, I rebranded it to Equal Eats because 
it's more than just food allergy. People with celiac disease and other restricted diets are having the same conversations at restaurants. And I would rather they use a card that calls it what it is than someone with, let's say, lactose intolerance calling it a milk allergy. So I've got cards for all of, you name it, you know, from kosher diets, halal diets, AIP diets, celiac, um, because from all of the consulting that we had from chefs and food service staff, they want to hear exactly what restrictions you have so they can then create the meal and the use of correct protocols for you. So that's, that's at the core of it, call a spade a spade. So I, I agree that they need to know all the restrictions. I disagree that we should necessarily differentiate between intolerance and allergy. Why so? Well, if you have an intolerance, granted, it's not a, a life or death situation, but it can still make you super ill for an un, you know, an intolerable amount of time. When I hear someone ask me, is this an allergy or an intolerance? What I really hear is how much should I care? So to me, if I need to avoid the food, it doesn't bother me to have people who aren't technically allergic say allergy. I just want them to be safe and not sick. And if the word allergy gets someone to care more, so be it. Yeah, you know, for me, I think it just shows what a broken system we have with food service industry that you have to <laughs> you you have to actually use this correct terminology for them to care. And and that to me is wrong because if you actually appreciate your customers and what they're dealing with, they should call it what it is and you should cater to that using the correct procedure for that. Um, so I think it waters things down for, for everybody. And I do think it then just makes this complete unstructured mix of a system. Yeah. Um, when really, for me, the bigger goal is to have some structure and standardization in what I think is almost the wild west of, uh, of food service. These yeah, days. and why, why do you think that there's such a disconnect between hospitality and kind of a food allergic population, you know? and as an aside, and maybe this gives you kind of a hint as to what I think maybe part of the issue is, why aren't food allergy people kind of more loud and proud about it, you know? Like the there's a gluten-free menu at every restaurant. Why? Because all the soccer moms avoiding gluten banded together with all the celiac people and they're loud about it, right? Nope, I'm not having that. Like, why is there a keto menu lots of places or a vegan menu? It's because people advocate for themselves and food allergy people like to keep themselves, you know, smaller and not the center of attention why yeah that, that that's interesting you know i think there's two sides to that i think on the restaurant side they're very conscious of of their business and and two main parts of that is liability and demand you know allergy has a different level of liability uh, attached to it and and is it for them is it worth the the additional effort and will that fill seats versus you know celiac there's there is an inherent market and there's still risk but you know on the life-threatening scale it's lower but i think in terms of of our the allergic community advocating for themselves and being loud and proud we we are still in our infancy in terms of of people advocating for themselves i like i'm the only one when i was at school with a food allergy i'm in my 30s Otherwise, it's a lot of parents doing that advocacy work, which is fantastic. And 
I love every single one of them, but it's, it's a new, you know, there, there's going to be some changes going forward as, as I see startups coming up every day from young people with food allergy. And I think for a lot of them, the way that they've been treated in the past, there's almost like we've been conditioned to feel like we're the problem. Because when you have been to enough restaurants and you've had eye rolls and is that, you know, the jokes, the, 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 because I have a list of allergies and when I say all of them, like, are you done? And they say that I'm like, did you even hear them then? Um, so it's these experiences time and time again, that just dismiss us and make us feel like this victim in all of it. It doesn't give us a loud voice to begin with because we don't even feel like we have a stance when you feel like they would rather we just stay home. And that's not across the board. There's some great places, but it's few and far between and it's hard to navigate and have that overall confidence. Well, yeah, and I mean, once you've had that experience, which I think everyone with a food allergy has had, you know, you, you say I roll oftentimes in, in meetings or presentations for Serta Star, I'll go, <sighs> like it's the big sigh, the hand on the hip, the eye roll, right? And it's it's not that, Every time you go out, you get that, but you go out enough times, you get that more than once. And it really does. It kind of puts a damper on your desire to be out there. Yeah. Um, and I, I love the way that you articulated that. And I think that we are both, uh, you know, kind of on a mission to try and fix that on both sides. Absolutely. There's some work to be done. And um, yeah, it's, it's, I call it before I said it's the wild west of, of food service because it's it is like this one un, like they're regulated in a lot of ways, which is great, you know, but one of the last biggest regulations was in the 60s and that was with food safety and there are mandates to how they can help prevent salmonella, which is important, but there's nothing in terms of a life threatening allergy, they can do what they think is okay. And a lot of these restaurants, they don't have this experience in creating an allergy policy and, and might not even know people with allergies before they started a restaurant. So there's a lot of work to be done, not to say it should be this government mandated system, but there is some structure that can actually absolutely um, be started with. Yeah, no doubt. You know, we're on the same page there. Oh, yeah. So listeners, watch out for some neat conversations coming out of, uh, sure. out of this, this partnership, if you will. All right, let's lighten things up. Let's talk about the music piece, Food Allergy Rockstar. Yeah, not, 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 not something I was dreaming of as a teenager. <laughs> I love it though. Can we, uh, first I want you to tell everybody what the albums are and then if you don't sure. mind giving us, you know, a little something, something performance wise, I would love it. For sure, absolutely. Uh, so I've got, I, st I started, went way back uh, after that reaction. I, I, I created some songs where uh, it just helped with my process of just getting some feelings out. And um, and it turned into educational music that I went into my mom's school. She was a principal and just started playing these songs for the kids. And it turned into an assembly for the whole school. And then the next school of a friend and then all over my city and 900 schools later, um, I've, I've, it's been an incredible ride and in reach. So uh, I have two albums. The first one was called You Must Be Nuts. And the <laughs> second one was called Food Allergies Rock. Obviously. And there was a DVD after that, um, kind of to get my assembly into to more hands. And um, 
yeah, it's called Kyle Dine and Friends. But essentially the music, it's meant to educate and empower kids. So it's, it's, it's coming from a guy who's been there that gets it. It's the messages that I think kids really should hear at a young age. Like I have a song called Never Keep a Reaction a Secret. Ooh. That's it. Like you get what that song's about, that message. And it's don't run to the bathroom. Don't be embarrassed. Speak up. No one's going to be mad. So it's those type of messages I wish were ingrained in me when I was young. And uh, you're all right. Rah, rah, rah. These, you know, th those type of things. So I'll grab my guitar. Yeah. I can play just a little snippet. Um, uh, how about food allergies rock? Just uh, to hear the, the over-the-top empowerment and it's not to really say that like, yes, awesome, I've got food allergies, but it's really to turn it around, uh, to, to put in someone's head that if you have it, you can rock it. You don't have to be the victim. You don't have to let them define, define you. You can be just like anybody else and grow up to be whatever you want. All right. Food allergies rock, food allergies rock. Tell you the truth, I would rather have them than not. Food allergies rock, food allergies rock. I wouldn't trade them, I'm okay with what I've got. Just a few foods that I can't eat, but none of it's in my favorite treats. I can eat healthy things like fruit for everything I can't. Yeah, there's a substitute. I can be brave and speak up for myself. I can find safe food on a cupboard shelf. Teach my friends what they're all about, and I'll be just fine living without. Food allergies rock, food allergies rock. To tell you the truth, I would rather have them than not. All right, now here's your first duet of your podcast. When I, I say when I say food allergies, you gotta say rock with me, alright? Right. Food allergies rock. Food allergies rock. Food allergies rock. Food allergies rock. Food allergies. There we go. I love it. You are amazing. <laughs> so with very little notice, you are perfectly comfortable pulling out the guitar, giving us a song. You are comfortable putting yourself out there in a vulnerable way that I don't have that gene and I really want to hear about this. So it's not just around the music. What most people who are listening don't know is that you have a group on some platform where you ask the advice of, I mean, it's like 50 people. It's not, you know, one or two advisors, people you know well, people you don't know well. You ask the advice about everything work-wise, about Equal Eats. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? And I mean, there are some things that you get great feedback and some things where you get this is the worst and I just am so in awe of your ability to be that vulnerable to that many people and I wanna hear how you do that, please. Oof, yeah. So big shout out to my A-team. 
They are fantastic. <laughs> this is a group. Thanks for letting me be a part of it, by the way. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, if I could ever have a dinner party, this would be one of the most interesting rooms you could ever imagine because it's a mix. I, yeah. I really want perspective. I want the parent of a newly diagnosed child to tell me what they feel. I want a chef, one of the best chefs in the world. I want a nurse. I want an innovator. I, just today, um, one of the heads of one of Canada's largest catering companies has just joined because all of these perspectives I don't have. And I think that for me, it's just really important to recognize my blind spots. And I, I everyone has them. And it's really hard to admit them. But I think for, you know, I think for me, it's coming to grips with I cannot do this alone. The, the the plans, the visions, the things that I wanted to do, I have no chance of thinking through them in my limited brain. And I think that that's just where where I come from. I think I've failed enough too with with different projects and things to realize I'm not the guy to solve it all. But if I bring a lot of smart people together and we can be just honest, we can solve some really great things. And I think at the start, it is so tough to, to get into that group. But once you start getting feedback and you remove yourself from the personal connection, when it, your business is just in a box mm -hmm. and we can just say that box is ugly and you know it's, it is what it is. When you're removed, you can just work on it and talk about it in good or bad and get suggestions. And it just makes it so much stronger and better. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, I, I truly, I like, I have such, um, respect for, for what it is that you do. I'm, I'm envious of your talent that way. I, you know, to the point where I have such fear of being vulnerable and out there that I have seen your posts and I respond to anything that's kind of relevant to me, or I have, you know, a, a feeling about, but half the time I do that in private message. Yeah. Hey, Kyle, I saw this one and I think, you know? Yep. And that's, that's totally fine. I'll take the feedback <laughs> anywhere I can get it. But um, I would say some of, some of the best debates were just public on the comments of like, okay, and very respectful. Like I see your point, but like, what if, and the daydreams come out and it builds and it layers and there's disagreement and yeah. it, but we're all in it for the same cause. And I think that then it, everyone realizes that. So it's pretty, pretty healthy debate. I love it. And in good news, we have a built-in listenership of like an additional 50 people or something for this podcast, because I'm sure you're going to post it in there. And I love it. You know what? <laughs> I find myself learning from you there. And I think that that is fantabulous. So thank That's you. So for sweet. Well, I am just privileged to have you as part of that group. All right. So outside of the, of the A-team, how can people connect with you and with Equal Eats and with your music online? EqualEats.com. Equal Eats on Instagram, kyledine.com, or just search up allergy music. There's no one else doing this crazy stuff. Uh, <laughs> can we get it on Amazon or Apple or? It's on all of it. Yeah, you can stream it. And yeah, foodallergyvideo.com streams my whole video. So if you're looking for some content for virtual classes right now, it's out there. And yeah, you know, get in touch. I love it. Perfect. So as you know, and so do the listeners, uh, I like to wrap all these up with two truths and a lie. You're going to tell us two real things and one less real thing. And listeners, if you want to know which one is false, you'll have to reach out to us on the social media comments 
or on your favorite podcast platform. So Kyle, two truths and a lie. Okay. Two truths and a lie. I was once on the Price is Right game show. Dine is actually a stage name. And my first band was called the Ice Cream Porcupines. <laughs> Porcupines? I love it. So <laughs> as you and I were talking in the pre-show about Two Truths and a Lie, because I don't ever let anybody be unprepared on this particular point, you said that it has started to kind of permeate its way into your family life. Tell me more. Yeah, it just hearing about this brought me back. I haven't played it for a while since working at a, a summer camp. And uh, I introduced it to my five-year-old daughter and she was just in love with the game. And we played on a very basic level, but all of a sudden it just, it started a real great family connection on, on little car rides we'd all be playing. And, and we started really just learning a lot more about each other. Just, you know, our past, my wife, her old teachers and favorite things and dislikes. And uh, we've had a lot of fun with it. So I got to thank you for reintroducing it in my life again. Yeah, no, I'm glad that it's had that impact. And the other thing that we were talking about is that I think as parents, we have a tendency not to share kind of our personal stuff with our kids, particularly not from our pasts, right? They seem to think that we showed up like when they did. And they're always, at least mine, are always interested to hear the things of before them. Um, and so I, I'm glad to hear that this is a good way for you to be able to do that. So accidental parenting hack. Yeah, no, highly recommend choosing <laughs> a lie for, uh, for any parent right now, for sure. Yeah, pretty cool. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for being here. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for all that you're doing and for working with Star to Star. And uh, yeah, it's been a great conversation. And listeners, thanks for sticking around. And as always, this has been the Shandyland Podcast, and we will talk to you soon.